was good. So when next time you think, well, we don't, we don't, don't need any more churches, right? Think about it. Think about it. We need them here. I mean, not right here. We're good here, right? But uh, need to pray. And sometimes, sometimes we get a little. Uh, I don't want to say critical. We get a little analytical. We get the paralysis of analysis, right? It's like, well, do we, you know, why don't all these churches in Alabama band together and start that church? Well, they probably are. You know, they probably are. But I, I thought about this a long time ago. I used to scrutinize Brother Snyder. I'd be like, well, why don't, you know, a missionary would come through and, and I'd say, well, why don't they do this or why doesn't this group do this? And and uh, I've come to realize this. Number one, the Bible tells us we're not to judge another man's servant. Right. Not my servants, right? right? The other thing is I would rather be at the judgment seat and God say, you know what? You probably gave too much to missions. <laughs> Your church probably, the church you pastor probably supported too many missionaries. I would rather hear that right. and God say, you know what? You're way too critical. Right, right. Their doctrine was right, and their their philosophy may not have been exactly like yours, but that they were my servants. Right. And so I just, man, as long as they believe what I believe, I mean, Brother Snyder, as long as they're King James Bible, and you know they're not out in left field on right. some of their music and all this, I'm like, just man, go do your thing, like right. you know. Good. And so. Uh, Sometimes we just, we don't see the big picture, good. right? So I appreciate them, good singing and uh, good good piano playing. Man, yes. your wife did a fantastic yes. job. Thank you all. Brother Snyder, you come, if you would. Uh, this morning he had mentioned they were church planters in uh, uh, Alaska, and we were at lunch, and I told uh, Miss Ellen, I said, no, we, we went there, didn't we? And, he was like, no, there's a lot of towns that sound like that. I said, no, we, we went right there. And she said on the way home, she said, we saw the church they planted. I said, were we aware that y'all were church planters there? And she said, yeah, which means that she probably knew it, and I forgot it. When she says, yes, we were, she knew it, I didn't. So, But uh, but it's so good. Good, good. Great message this morning. Appreciate him and Miss Barb and them being with us. And You just take your time and preach, preacher. that God will forgive the church that supports too many missionaries. It'll be all right, all right? I can give you my word on that one. It will be okay. Hey, listen, let me give you just a couple of things that I think could be encouraging to you. Um, one of the brochures that we have on our table out there is about Camp Bimmy. How many have ever heard of Camp Bimmy? You've had a few folks through here, right? Just a few of you have. Okay, very good. Um, if young people... Look at me up here, okay, and you can define young however you want to, okay, so it doesn't matter. Right? Young people, have you ever struggled with the possibility that God's calling you to missions? If you haven't, please do. Ask God, God, do you want me to be a missionary? And perhaps God has already been dealing with your heart about that, and you say, well, what do I do? What's missions what is missions all about? What do I need to know about missions, etc.? Stop by and get a Camp Bimmy brochure from the table. We'd love to tell you about Camp Bimmy. It's been in existence for 30 years. We've had over 1,000 students go through Camp Bimmy. It's all about the 
good side of missions and the difficult side of missions. College level classes that we teach, you will eat food that you have never eaten before because it is very international in all that we do. It is a missionary boot camp. And uh, I can't say enough good about Camp Bimmy. If you are a young person, and by the way, we, last year we had somebody there that was 67, I think it was, 65, 67 years old. So young can be really, you know, defined however you want, okay? Uh, but if God's speaking about missions, let me encourage you to pick up a brochure and pray about the possibility of coming to Camp Bimmy. It's a one-week camp held on the campus of BIMI there near Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, this year we're having it on two different weeks because last year we had such an amazing turnout. We can house comfortably 50 people uh, for Camp Bimmy. Last year we had 73. Okay, so that tells you how things are going. It's a wonderful thing. So we split it up into two different weeks. Same tracks will be going on those two different weeks. So we're excited about what God's doing. Stop by, pick one of those up. One other thing that I'll make mention, and it just kind of, I guess I was reminded of it by your theme for this year. Let's find out. Back in 2017, we started what's called the Papua New Guinea Bible Project. Anybody heard of that one? Are you familiar somewhat? Few of you are. Uh, God has, I'm calling it a modern day miracle is what it really is. The government of Papua New Guinea was trying to figure out what was happening with their young people because their young people were disrespectful, they were rebellious, and all of these things, and they're like, this is the next generation, what are we going to do, what caused this? They came to the conclusion that their young people were like that because they had taken God and the Bible out of their schools. Would to God another country I knew would come to that same conclusion. But they had heard about our Fiji Bible Project where we handed out over 220,000 Bibles and they said, would you come to Papua New Guinea? Would you do the same thing here? And I'm making a very long story short as we prayed about it. We said, hey, can we do that? We said, let's find out. And we stepped out by faith and we have seen and are seeing God do a modern day miracle. We have been in uh, the, the country of Papua New Guinea handing out Bibles to every school student that we can possibly hand one out to. It, we have the opportunity to go into these schools. They call a school assembly, and we get to just preach the gospel to them for 30 minutes or more, however long we want to. We hand them a Bible. Inside the Bible is either stamped or there's a track of the closest independent Baptist church in their area, which, by the way, many of them were started by BIMI missionaries some 40 and 50 years ago. So this is coming around full circle. Some of the people that are in government positions were won to Christ by BIMI folks or BIMI churches that were started years ago. God has just put this thing together, and it's been amazing to see. So we are not just giving a Bible, putting a Bible into their hands, but we're connecting them with the local church, and we're seeing them get saved get baptized, and get discipled in those churches. Um, hey, it's been amazing. These pastors who are part of this uh, project there that are helping us, they are now getting invited to come into the public schools and at least weekly do a Christian character class. Can you guess what the textbook is for the Christian character class? Every student has one. We just gave it to them. So it's a wonderful opportunity that these men have been given. Um, I, I, boy, I, I would love to just tell you a lot of stories. Let me 
can I just, I'll just tell you one really quick, all right? I went over to Papua New Guinea to help out with this Bible project, and it was just, it was an amazing thing. You just got to be there to experience it. And one of the places that we went, they told me that tomorrow, they said, we're going to get into a boat, we're going to go across the water, and we're going to go to this island, we're going to pass out Bibles. The Bibles are already there, we'll get there, and we'll go to this school. I said, okay, great. We got there, and I am on the dock, and I'm looking down at this boat, and I'm looking at about 15 of us, and I'm looking at that boat thinking, man, that's just a dinghy. How in the world are we getting into that thing? But we did. I was literally sitting with my knees pulled up to my chest because there was no room for me to put my legs out. I'm sitting on just basically, just think like bamboo, you know. Just let's just say it was not comfortable, okay? All right, so we take off, and, you know, it's not a smooth ride, okay? So we're, you know, eventually I finally asked the question that everybody's dying to ask. I said, how long is it going to take us to get to this island? And they said, oh, it should take us about an hour, and I said, oh, Lord, please help me. And so well, on the way over, I took a guy with me from our business office, and he, how shall I say this kindly, he, he lost his lunch. And I, he's right beside me, and I'm praying, Lord, I want to keep my lunch. Please, Lord, let me keep my lunch, you know. And so we get over there. Three hours later, we finally get to the island. This is a long story, but it's just amazing. We get there. Of course, we're late. Then we're supposed to go to the school. They, a truck comes to pick us up, and it's not like, you know, F-150 or Silverado. Okay, I mean, it's a truck. We, we load into that thing. We get to the school an hour and a half on those roads. We finally get to the school. We're late. I'm thinking these kids, have, they packed up. They went home. They're not going to be there. We get there, and under a hot tin roof, and let me tell you, Papua New Guinea, <laughs> I didn't just glisten, man. I was sweating. Can I, we're in North Carolina, right? I was sweating like a pig, man. I mean, it was, it, was, it was amazing, all right? We get there. These young people are sitting under this hot tin roof. They're sitting on the ground. There are 1,200 high school students sitting there waiting for us to come. We got there. We preached the gospel to them. You could have heard a pin drop. There was not one text that was sent. There was no electronic devices to be seen anywhere. It was absolutely wonderful. And when we told them that we were going to give each of them a Bible of their very own, they broke out into applause like their football team had just scored a touchdown. I'm telling you, you talk about something that will thrill your soul. It was absolutely amazing. Man, there is so much more I could tell you about that particular trip. I'm just glad to be back alive, let me tell you. We ran out of gas three times on the way back in the pitch black dark on the open ocean in the dinghy with my knees tucked up to my chest. Absolutely amazing, but I'm telling you what, God's doing some great things. Here's where we are. Our goal is to pass out 1.1 million Bibles. We have about 50,000 more to go to reach that goal. Pray with us. Pray with us. Now, you're not going to hear a preacher say this very often, okay? So, so everybody listening, here it is. We have all the money we need to see this project through. Now, I know that shocks some of you to hear that, okay? But we don't have all the prayer we need. We need the prayer support of God's people. Let me tell you what. You flood a country with God's word, Satan's going to fight. So here's my last advertisement for the night. We've got BIMI World Magazines on our table. Take one of those with you tonight. As a matter of fact, I'd like to see all of them disappear. But in the center of that magazine, you will hear testimonies from people in Papua New Guinea about how the Papua New Guinea Bible Project has not only changed the lives of people, how it is affecting and changing the entire country 
of Papua New Guinea. I think it'll be a blessing to you, all right? Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke tonight, Luke chapter number 18. And it's a little bit unusual message for, for me, um, but hey, you haven't heard me preach that often, so for you it'll just be another message, all right? And, and you know what? I forgot to ask Pastor what time you guys are through. So let me just say this. Ignorance is bliss. It's a wonderful thing, all right? And I'll, and I'll not keep you any longer than I'll keep you. So, you know, I, I want to make promises that I can keep, all right? So um, Luke chapter number 18. Um, this is really something that God's put on my heart all this year. 2023 coming to a close. This, this year, our theme at, at BIMI has been achieving the impossible because God can. Not because we can, but because God can. I think it matches with your theme quite well. And so I want to kind of tie the two together tonight in this message as you kind of close out kind of this missions year, so to speak, and look to the next year. And pastor's already made the challenge for 2024. Hey, time to step it up. Time to turn it up a few notches and see what God has for you to do. Just follow along with me there. Luke chapter 18, beginning verse number 18. And a certain ruler asked him, that is, asked Jesus, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. So all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful. Why? For he was very rich. Can I, can I say here, the problem was not that he possessed riches, but that his riches possessed him. There's a big difference there. Verse 24, and when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Wow. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? Here's what Jesus said. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passive scripture. Thank you for this truth. Help me now, Lord, to say everything you once said. Help me keep me from saying those things I ought not. Lord, make this a time that is eternally profitable and a time where you are, you are honored and you are glorified. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you think about the Great Commission, we're to go into all the world. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. I want to start by saying tonight that is absolutely impossible humanly speaking, okay? Uh, we, there is no way, no way you and I in and of our own human strength can go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know what? There's no way that Brother Brown and his family, humanly speaking, can go to Alabama and start a church there. It's not about them. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about him. And we're not going out here to attempt the impossible. We're to achieve the impossible, not because we can, but because he can. Amen. So as we understand that hey, this is an impossible task in and of ourselves, and a great picture Jesus gives us here, the camel going through the eye of a needle, right. how are we going to achieve the impossible, knowing that it's God who's going to do it? Well, let me give you three thoughts on that tonight. Here it is. Number one, first of all, we need to see our weakness. Yes, sir. 
that we are weak, that we cannot do this in and of ourselves, in and of our own strength. The commission that he gives, and by the way, this is not a suggestion that he gives, it is a command that he gives. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why is this something that where we need to see our weakness? Because number one, he says, go into all the world, not just part of the world. Not just North Carolina, not just Alabama, not just Tennessee, not just the United States, not just Canada, not just South America, all the world. Let me just throw out a couple of things for you to think about. Number one, do you realize there are approximately 200 countries in our world today? Look around. If all of us went to one of those countries, don't think we could do it. And then there are approximately 10,000 major cities in our world today. Wow. And to complicate things even more, there are approximately 7,000 different languages spoken in our world today. So you see, even if we all went to one of those countries, some of us are going to sit there and just say, yeah, it's nice to be here, but I can't say a word to them because they wouldn't understand me and I don't understand them. We're to go into all the world. Now watch this. Not just go into all the world, but once we get there, we're supposed to preach the gospel to every creature. Not just one or two, not just a select few, but every creature. I looked up some numbers just to kind of help me. Maybe this will help you. In 1820, the year 1820, there were one billion people in the world today. Billion, B, not an M, not million, billion 1820. In 1930, there were 2 billion. In 1960, and some of you are saying, okay, now you're getting to where I can identify. Okay, so think about this now. There were 3 billion people in the world in 1960. 1974, there were 4 billion. 1987, there were 5 billion. 1999, there were 6 billion. In 2012, there were 7 billion. And now, finally in 2022, we hit 8 billion people in our world today. Eight billion. So you realize that for many of us in this room, that during our lifetime, the population of our world doubled? Wow. You think about that. Eight billion creatures, if you will, that we are to preach the gospel to every single one of them. So the commission is all the world, every creature. Here's the challenge. Number one, the harvest. You say, why is that a challenge? Well, because number one, it's plenteous. Those numbers we just threw out should demonstrate that truth. It is plenteous. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. And then number two, it's white. And we mentioned this this morning. It's white unto harvest. It's ready to be harvested. We don't need to wait another four months and then cometh harvest. No, no, no. Now is the time. It's white unto harvest. But the challenge goes beyond just the harvest. It goes to the harvesters. You say, what's the challenge here? They're few. They're few. Oh, how we need more laborers. Jesus said, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. This was brought out already tonight. What Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he'd send forth laborers into his harvest. Can I, can I just throw out this challenge? That, that idea of praying for laborers was already given once tonight, now it's twice, and as you bring up missions Sundays and you emphasize missions, that's something we hear often. Dare I say we could probably quote those verses tonight. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers. 
Do you realize that as you go through the New Testament, you go through the Gospels and you look for the times when Jesus said very specifically, here is a prayer request, I want you to pray about this. You know if you make a list of those times, you come up with one thing that he said. Very specifically, this is what I want you to pray about. He says, pray for laborers. Do you realize if Jesus narrowed it down to one prayer request, I really do believe he wants us to pray about it. Now here's my question. This is my challenge. Don't answer out loud, but in your own heart. When is the last time you prayed and said, God, send more laborers into your harvest field? When's the last time? You think about that. Listen, from where I sit, I, it is a daily prayer request of mine. At least once a day, I'm praying, Lord, we need laborers. Here's my challenge. You know, we've talked about giving to missions. And you make a faith promise commission, uh, commitment to missions. I pray that you do. But perhaps God would have you to make a faith promise prayer commitment to missions. Maybe once a week. Once a month, I hope maybe even once a day, you might say, hey, you know what? In 2024, I'm going to pray every day to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. Oh, we need laborers. I'd love to tell you about how when we did uh, deputation over 30 years ago, when we would go to a missions conference, it was unusual for at least for if nobody would come and surrender to missions, we, we would always just expect that at least a person or a family would come and say publicly, God's called me to missions. Now, 30 years later, it's the unusual thing when a family or a person comes and says publicly, God's called me to missions. Something's happened, and I'm telling you what, I don't have time to get into it, but let's get back to praying. God, please send more laborers. So, the harvesters, they're few. Number two, watch, they're incapable. We can't do it. Right. <laughs> Humanly speaking, right. it's impossible. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then he says this, for without me ye can do nothing. Right. You know what that means in the Greek? Without him we can do nothing. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Oh, we are incapable in and of ourselves. So number one tonight, we need to see our weakness. And it's not hard to see our weakness. Number two, if we're going to achieve the impossible because God can, we need to seek God's power. I think this is an obvious thing. When we see our weakness, the, the reaction should be, hey, let's seek God's power. And there's four ideas and four thoughts I want to give you here. Number one, we need to, first of all, proclaim our weakness to him. Let him know, Lord, we're weak. I'm weak. I can't do this. It's not about a special program or special plan. It's not about trying harder, working smarter. It's about God doing the work. I think about Peter and Jesus. Jesus borrowed his boat, did some preaching, and then he says to Peter, okay, launch out in the deep, let down your nets, plural, for a draught. But here's what Peter said. He says, Master, we have told all night, we have taken nothing. He said, Master, we can't do this. We're, we're out of hope. We've tried. We've done everything we can do, and we can't do anything else. But he said, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net, singular. Hmm. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net, singular, break. Don't you think that he wished he would have put down more than one net? But you know, all of this happened only after Peter says, I can't do this, Lord. You have to do it. You know, I think about Mark chapter number 9. You've emphasized that this year. Jesus said unto him, 
the man who his boy had the unclean spirit, he says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. He says, Lord, I can't do this. And that's when Jesus stepped in and everything changed. So first of all, we need to proclaim our weakness to him. I thought about a, an illustration here from my own life. Uh, for those of you who care about things like this, some of you won't, but some of you will. Our family car growing up, all my life, our family car was a 69 Chevelle. Oh, man. I'm telling you, what a family car to have. I mean, it was great. Came stock with a 307 in it, three on the tree. If that matters to you, matters to me. Wow. Had dual exhaust, had glass packs on both sides. Man, it sounded wonderful. It was a fabulous family car. But we had that thing all of my life growing up, and there were lots of times when we would have to work on the cars, and uh, on that car and the other cars that we had as well. And I remember there were times where we'd, we'd take the carburetor off, had to rebuild the carburetor. Some of you remember when cars had carburetors? Okay, yeah. So, you know, I'd lay that thing out on the, uh, the workbench there, and I'd be taking it all apart, and then I'd start putting it back together, and I'm standing there flustered, and I'm trying to figure it out. Dad would come in, he'd be standing there, and he'd be watching me. And I'm trying to figure this out, and this won't fit, and I'm putting this over here, and I waste all this time figuring it out. And finally I say, Dad, I have no idea. What, what's wrong? Why I can't do this. And Dad say, well, it's really easy. If you just move this to here and turn this and put this in here, then you can take it from there. It's like, why didn't I ask him long before? I wonder how often God in heaven looks upon us while we're trying to figure it out for ourselves. <laughs> and all we have to do is say, God, I can't do it. God, tell me how to do this. God, come and do it for me because God wants to do those things through us. So first of all, we need to proclaim our weakness to him. Number two, we need to partner together with him. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. We mentioned that this morning. And then he says this, Take my yoke upon you. You realize Jesus says here, Get in the yoke with me. Partner up with me. And I'll tell you what, I love what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are laborers together with God. What a wonderful opportunity we have. You know, let me go back to my illustration that I gave you before. You know, there are things that we would do on that uh, car that, you know, especially as a little kid, I would, I would help Dad. You know, later when that 307 wore out, we, uh, we got it bored out. We put about a 350 back in there for you that care about things like that. That really matters, okay? We, we changed it from three on the tree to four on the floor. I mean, this car is getting better and better as it gets older. You know, this is good stuff, okay? And I remember there were times we would say, ch uh, change out the transmission. We did that a few times, you know? And I would, I would help Dad change out the transmission. Well, I got to tell you, I had no idea how to change out a transmission. My job was hand wrenches and do the other stuff, but I was watching and I was taking care of it. But, you know, and I went back to school the next day. Yeah, I changed out a transmission last night. Yeah, sure you did. you did. Your dad did, but you helped him. Hey, listen, it's not about us. If we're running around bragging, yeah, this is what I did. God's in heaven saying, no, you didn't do that. I did that. <laughs> And it's a whole lot better when God does it because God's the one who has the true knowledge of how it needs to be done and done correctly. Wow. Partner together with him. Here's the third one. This goes, this goes with the second one. Perform all things through him. This has to do with his power to get it done. Uh, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Ephesians 6.10, we're to do things in the power of his might. We can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. 
Thou therefore be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's His power. Again, I think about, you know, there were times when, when we pulled that transmission out and then we needed to move the car. Dad would say, come over, you know, help me move the car. You know, I'm only this big. Let's push it in there. You know, let's push it out of the, out of the car, out of the garage, whichever the case might be. And we're pushing, you know, I'm pushing with all my might. Let me tell you, I was not contributing. It was Dad who was really doing the work, okay? You know, sometimes we get, yeah, Lord, I'm going to move this. I'm going to take care of this. And the Lord's just saying, no, you're not. It's me. I'm, I'm the one doing this, you know. I love it when God's the one doing the work because I do not have the power to do it. He is the one who has the power to do it. And then let me give you this fourth one. As we seek God's power, number four, we need to pursue a deeper relationship with him. This one's probably the most important of the four that I've given. Psalm 105 verse 4 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. There's a progression there. We need to seek his strength because we need him, but we need to seek his face because we love him. You know, there were times when I told you we had two boys and now young men, praise the Lord, both married, and one, our oldest gave us our first grandbaby. If you want to hear about a grandbaby, I've got a whole album on my phone. Okay, I'll show you pictures. But, you know, I remember when those boys were small, there were times that dad was just a little bit too busy, but they wanted dad's attention you know, and tugging on dad's coat or shirt or whatever. And there were times where, you know, they were like wanting to turn my face towards them. Why? Because they wanted to see dad face to face knowing they had dad's attention. You know, isn't it great that our heavenly father, we never have to do that with him. He's always waiting. He, he invites us to come boldly to his throne. And we have that, if you will, face to face with God. And we're to seek his face. Let me read this. Before we can ever expect great things from God or attempt great things for God, as William Carey said, we must have a meaningful relationship with God. The degree of what we accomplish by the power of God is rooted in the depth of our relationship with the person of God. Oh, let's focus on having that relationship with him that we need to have, that deeper relationship relationship and again just one more time you know I'll tell you what all those times growing up when I was working with my dad those were the times of great fellowship with my dad well we as we worked together we talk about things that we probably would never talked about otherwise but that relationship grew as we worked together there's no better time to develop that deeper relationship with our heavenly father is when we work together with him So we need to see our weakness, number one. Number two, we need to seek God's power. And then number three, and this is kind of obvious, but that's just the way I preach, all right? We need to strive for the impossible. You know, if we just say, well, Lord, you know, I'm weak. I can't do this. God, I'm going to seek your power. And then we just sit there and do nothing. We've missed it. God says, hey, go out and strive. You know, put feet to your prayers. Follow up. Hey, let's let's go find out what God's going to do. We may not know, but let's go forward. Let's give an opportunity to do what only God can do. Why are we supposed to strive for the impossible? Number one, because it's God's command. You know, you think about the Great Commission, you realize there's a lot of things, (laughs) Pastor mentioned tonight, there's maybe some preachers or some ministries that philosophically we may not necessarily line up, and there may be some things in Scripture that we might debate and talk about. Let me tell you, there is no debate about the Great Commission. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
That's as clear as he gets. He's given us that command. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. So we're to strive for the impossible. Why? Because God commanded us to. Number two, because it's God's plan. You say, what do you mean? It's God's plan to use us to do that. I don't understand that, I'll be honest, because I'd pick somebody besides me to go do it because I know how frail I am. But God says it's our job. We're supposed to be doing what he has said to do. You realize he can do it by himself? He doesn't need us. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills too, and he owns the gold that's in the hills. He doesn't need us, but he, for whatever reason, wants to use us. Wow. He'll use people like Esther against Haman. He'll use people like David against Goliath. He'll use Rahab to protect the spies. He's not going to use many wise or mighty or noble. He's going to use the foolish, the base, the weak things of this world so that we've got nothing to glory in. All we can say is, God, you did it all. Thank you for doing it. Did you ever think about the feeding of the 5,000? Five loaves, two small fishes, all those people. Do you realize that Jesus Christ could have taken those five loaves and two fishes, multiplied them, and made them appear in the, ma- in the laps of the people. He's God. Right. He could have done that. He could have done it all by himself. Do you realize because he's God, he could have used that food that was given or created food if he wanted to, but he could have made it just appear in the people's stomachs. Right. They might not have even need to, had to eat it. Yes. Why? Because he's God. He could do that. But do you realize what he did? He lined up his disciples and said, okay, fellas, take what I'm going to give you and now go feed the people. Do you realize what they got to experience because of obedience to what Jesus had said to do? Oh, they would have missed it if they just would have stood there. Hey, for you and I, we're going to miss it if we just stand around. Hey, let's just do what he says to do. Let God do an amazing work in and through us. Why? Because that's God's plan. That's what he wants to do. He's privileged us with the responsibility of getting the gospel into all the world. So we need to strive for the impossible because it's God's command, because it's God's plan. Number three, because, well, striving is expected because we live on this side of eternity. It's not going to be easy. There's a cost that's involved, a struggling that's involved. Whatsoever thy hand finds to do, he, the, the writer says, do it with all thy might. Why? Because we need to to get it done. When it comes to Jesus healing the boy with the unclean spirit, the disciple says, how come we couldn't do that? Jesus said, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Yes, sir. There's a striving that's expected. Whatever we do, we're to do it heartily as unto the Lord. Oh, let me just mention a few more and we'll close this thing down. We're to strive for the impossible because it's God's delight to save souls. When we talk about the Great Commission, you realize we're talking about one of those things that's just as close to the heart of God as you can get. The Bible says, who have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Peter says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I am so glad, despite what our hyper-Calvinistic friends have to say about it, we cannot witness to the wrong person. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God delights in saving that one who will call upon his name. Wow. 
we need to strive for the impossible because it's our privilege to do so. It's not just our duty. Please don't enter into 2024 and say, well, yeah, preacher challenged us again. Brother Snyder was there again. They're twisting our arm. We've got to get involved in missions. How sad. Just don't give your money. Just, just keep it because God doesn't want it. What a privilege it is to be involved in worldwide evangelization, to get to partner with God, to be used of God, to be a servant of His. Oh, what a privilege. Wow. And I'll mention this one more. We need to strive for the impossible because He alone is worthy of our striving for the impossible. Wow. Whatever we do, whether we eat, we drink, we do all of it to the glory of God. I think about Revelation 4, verse 11, the 24 elders. They said, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Oh, it's not about us. It's all about Him. You know, I think about Revelation 7 where it talks about all the nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues are going to stand before Him and they're going to praise Him. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I, I just try to imagine being part of that amazing group. And by the way, when that day comes, I'm going to be able to sing. I can't sing real well now, but I'm going to then. It's going to be on key, and it's going to be a wonderful thing. I'm looking forward to singing praises to him. Oh, what a great day that's going to be. But, you know, every kindred, tongue, tribe, nation. You know, when I look around, guess what? I want to see some people that are there because of me. I want to be able to say to them, wow, I remember when you received Christ. Praise God. Wow. And you know what? I, you know, want to be a wonderful thing is when we're standing there in heaven and somebody comes up to us and says, hey, thank you. And, and you say, thank you for what? I, I've, I've never met you. I don't know you. Well, thank you because, you know, see, you helped get the Browns to Alabama. Yes. And they told me about Jesus. Yes. And I got saved. Amen. And you supported them to Praise get them there. God. What a day that's going to be. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Wow. Hey, listen. As we think about what God's called us to do, what God's commanded us to do, He's commanding us to achieve the impossible because He can. Back to our text, and I want to just end with this illustration. In verse 26, they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? What was that in response to? Well, it was what Jesus said in verse 25. He says, For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, if I would have heard Jesus say that, I, I would have had that same reaction. Well, the, then who then can be saved? Wow. I, I've got in my hand here a needle. Gentlemen, I, I gave them a picture, and I asked them to put it up on the board here tonight because I'm holding this up, and you may not even know I have a needle in my hand because it's so small, but I really do. There's a needle here. I'm keeping it in my Bible all this year. I've kept it in my Bible, and that, that picture there is of this actual needle. Those are my hands. I'm holding that up, all right? Here, i got a question for you. Can God put a camel through the eye of that needle? You ever really thought about that? Now, come on. Now, I just got to expound on that a little bit. Have you ever thought how God would put a camel? Through the eye of that needle. I would love to see it. I really would. And maybe someday he will. Show me how it's going to happen. But I'll bet you we could have some really good church splits over how God could put a camel through the needle, the eye of that needle. I'm I'm sure we could do that. I mean, man, that'd be be really easy to do. 
And if you really want to know my opinion, talk to me afterwards. I'll tell you about how I think God can do that. But if pastor has a better way, he's right, okay? We're just going to go with his. But you know what? Our lives are sometimes like this needle. And you know what God wants to do through us? Often seems really impossible. But I can tell you this. We can be confident that he which hath begun a good, a good work in us, he will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You know, again, when it comes to missions, and he's given us the command, when he lays on our hearts what we are to do in obedience to him, he says, just trust me. He says, I will achieve the impossible. Not because you can. Not because I can. But because God can. Are we willing to trust him to do the impossible through us? Would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed? And let me just ask you to consider the thought that we've talked about tonight with achieving the impossible, not attempting the impossible, but achieving the impossible, not because we can. Maybe tonight you just need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just recognizing again, I can't. Just come and express your weakness to him. Every day I say, Lord, I, I can't do this, but... Maybe it'd be a good time tonight to just say again, Lord, I know you can. Maybe there's something God's been speaking to you about that, oh boy, you just think about it all by itself and you think that is absolutely impossible. There is no possible way I could ever do that. Do you realize those are the things that God delights to do in and through us? Because in the end, all we can then do is step back and say, wow, I sure didn't have anything to do with that. God's the one who did that. And then that way, God gets all the glory. We don't get any glory because I'll tell you what, we don't need to get any glory. God is the one who needs to get all the glory. Just take these next few moments. As she continues to play, would you please continue to pray and talk with the Lord about whatever it is he's spoken to you about tonight. In the silence of this hour, let the Lord speak to you as well. And then in just a few moments, pastor will come and he'll close out the invitation as God directs him.